Hello listeners, I have some good news and I have some bad news at the top of this episode. The good news is that we are moving into our new recording space and we have some brand new recording equipment, which is so, so, so exciting. Um, Thank you so much to our Patreon supporters who have helped us with that transition. And now the bad news. We recorded this episode with the old recording setup and the quality is not good. Um, So, sincere apologies for all of the electronic background noise. I understand if you don't want to listen to this one, and I am so sorry. Please check out the show notes where you can see what we talked about and what we read this month. Thank you for listening. So, we are in the middle of watching ER. Right. It is my first time, but, like, because ER was such a cultural So in the culture, like, yeah. I feel like I'm very familiar with it. Right. That being said, one thing that we have really enjoyed about these early seasons of ER, it's just a quality, Oh, it's really so well done, show. yeah. And Jordan thinks it is way better than Grey's Anatomy. 100%. Right. I totally agree. But I think part of that comes from he just finds a Grey's Anatomy to be over the top. It's too dramatic. soapy. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. So we're we're in season five now mm-hmm. of ER, and I would like to know if this is the season where it jumps the shark. A little bit, <laughs> like just a smidge. Um, again, not. I mean, Grey's Anatomy. It's a lot. Yeah. So ER is not that. No. But we're watching it, and I don't know how familiar you are with past seasons, but we're at this season where a new chief of surgery has been added. Is that Romano? No, it's Amanda Lee. She was on for a two to three episode arc. Oh. I hope it's okay for me to tell you this. Yeah, of course. It is a decades old television program. We're talking about a show, a fifth season that aired in 1998, 99. Yeah. Um, But I. We were watching it, and Dr. Amanda Lee is like a fraud, like, catch me if you can kind of thing. Oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a scene in which she locks a an agoraphobic woman in an MRI scanning room with Dr. Green. What? Where Jordan and I were, I literally looked at Jordan and go, it, it, is this... Is, is this, this is really this? happening right now? It's so unusual for ER. One of my favorite weird things that the early seasons do are these like day off episodes. So like George Clooney's character has one in like season three, I think, when he has to rescue those kids from a like storm drain. Yes. Or that's season two. That's season two. And then Carol has one in season three where she's in a convenience store and yes. Ewan McGregor shoots an old man. Yes. Um, it's crazy. Also, sh- the guest stars, young Kirsten Dunst. Oh, yeah. Nick Offerman, I yep. saw in the season four premiere. Adam Scott from Parks and Rec was in season one. Oh, like, it's a delight. Um, Mariska Hargitay is in... Oh, she's in like a yeah, long span of exactly. episodes. And looking so young and adorable. I know. And I was saying this morning, like everybody gets their start on Law & Order unless they got their start on ER. Yeah, that's totally true. <laughs> yeah. And at one point, like Mariska was there and I was like, are we about to have a crossover episode? Because I'm here for it. I hope so. Um, One just quick thing. Okay. I did accidentally, mm-hmm. while watching the Dawson's Creek reunion mm-hmm. through Entertainment Weekly... Like the next video was an interview with Noah Weil and I don't know her real name, Kelly Martin. She played Christy on like, sure, on like a Hallmark ish type movie about a woman who's a school teacher in the mountains, but she also sure. is a doctor on okay. ER. She's like a young resident. Was she Lucy? Yeah. Oh, oof. Okay, yeah. So this video was about the infamous scene yeah. between Lucy and Carter. 
but it's these actors being interviewed today. Let me just tell you something. I was immediately cured of my John Carter crush. Noah Wilde did not age well. Um, I don't know if you've seen him. I haven't. He, I don't want to say it on air, but he is not looking good. And the earring isn't helping. Oh. Did we learn nothing from Harrison oh, Ford? Oh, earring. No. Welcome to episode 165 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I don't want to wear an eye patch. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. I scratched my eye this morning, and it scared me. Did you scratch it badly? It's not red. No. Well, it it felt worse than it was, uh-huh. I think. There was like... I was putting in my contacts, and there was, like, a hair or something about oh, it. No. And I was like, ah, just trying to grab it and get it out. Yeah. But then... Oh, no. Yeah. Um, and then I freaked out, and there was, like, a red spot. And I was like, ah! <laughs> and then I, I flushed it with saline, and everything was okay. Yeah, it looks fine. Yeah, I think it'll be okay. I don't like things messing with my eyes. I didn't mm-hmm. put on my own mascara until I went to college. Yeah. I that, can't do that. <laughs> that, that follows. Yeah, no, no thanks. Okay, so, it is a new month. It's April now, somehow. Thank can't, goodness. Can't believe that. March did feel real long, though. Maybe uh, it didn't for you because you were in and out of town so much. Well, and that was the weird thing. I traveled so much, and I had, like, no normal schedule in March. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Um, I guess the last week of March was my first normal schedule for the whole month. So, I don't know. Yeah, March to me, I mean, we got a lot done, but in terms of the bookshelf, a lot of changes have been happening. Mm-hmm. March just feels like, okay, can we... Give each other some grace, and now April. <laughs> yeah, I know it's April. Yeah, March was just hard. Um, not, not my birthday anymore. Oh, that's true. But that's okay. oh, well. you'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'm an adult. I don't care that much about birthdays. Yeah, that's true. The older we get, the less it matters. Yep. And I say this as someone who loves my birthday. Yep. But. And so it's a it's a new month, and we're going to talk about what we read last month. Yes. Which I'm excited to do. Good. I actually read a lot more than I remember reading. Good. Because, obviously, that month feels like it was forever. Everybody said that about February, which was true, mm-hmm. because February is only 28 days. Right. But March, y'all, maybe it's after 28 days to then have a month of 31. Yeah. Is a lot. Hmm. Just felt like this is the month that will never end. Why don't we get, like, a rent reduction or even like a mortgage yeah, re- in reduction February? in February. You should. We really should. Yes. Like it's two days that. Yeah. That we're not two living to three in. if you compare it to the long. That's months. true. Of course, you don't want to pay more. No. Thirty first. I really don't. Thirty one. So maybe. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, I was able to read six books, and then I'm in the middle of one right now. But I realize it's now April, so that really doesn't count. Yeah, we'll count that for next so, week. So don't even mention it. Good. I won't. Good. 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 I okay. read six. Where'd you start? I started with this book that is kind of a young adult called Emergency Contact by Mary H.K. Choi. That's a good title. It's a great title, and I really liked this book. Good. Um, It was a fun kind of romantic comedy to start the month with, but a lot better. I feel like I read one in February that was fine, Mm -hmm. but this was better than that. Like, good enough where I mailed it out to somebody. Like, when I finished, I immediately thought of somebody else who should read it. So, um, the premise is, and it's told in two voices. I hesitate to compare it to Eleanor and Park because I think that's what it will get compared to because one of the main characters is Asian American. Okay. 
and I hate to just compare books right. because it features similar characters. Right. Um, but superficially similar characters. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. But that being said, like they do, emergency contact is alternating voices, mm-hmm. and so is Eleanor and Park. Sure. So I I think that comparison yeah. is fair. Um, but you've got these two really compelling characters. One is a young woman headed off to college for the first time, and she has a t- tenuous relationship with her mother, and then she meets this young kind of tattooed barista who <laughs> I feel like he is he is working on his like film degree but anyway he's significantly older or a little bit older not significantly like in the current creepy times we're living in sure. like he's normal amounts of older than her um, and they have like the opposite of a meet cute mm. he is she finds him she has met him once before, but then it doesn't really go very well. And then she meets him again, um, and he is, like, passed out. He hasn't had enough to eat that day. Like, he's a very thin young man, and, like, anyway, she thinks he's dying. And Been there. So, yeah, so she becomes his emergency contact. <laughs> so what I love is that it's alternating voices mm-hmm. and also technology. It's very practical in that technology plays a big part in their relationship lots of texting um you get a lot of those text exchanges which are really fun Mm -hmm. but the author also doesn't shy away from how frustrating it is to or or the toll that technology places on a relationship Mm -hmm. so meaning yes it's fun that you get to text and you get to kind of you kind of get to um fill each other in on your days but you also are telling people things that you might not tell them in person. So it's right. like a false sense of intimacy. Absolutely. But I liked, so you read, did you read the book Read Upside Down? Mm-mm. Rebecca um, got read, us into Read Bottom Up. Yeah, Read Bottom Up, yeah. Read Upside Down. No, I didn't actually read that one. Okay, Rebecca got us into that a few years ago, got me into it. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I'm totally for, like people, most of my friends now have met their significant others online. Sure. Like, it's fine. That's the world we in- inhabit, I think. But I like that this young adult author wasn't afraid to say, hey, like, this is fake intimacy. Mm-hmm. This is real intimacy. It can certainly become yeah. real intimacy. It's forced, maybe forced yeah. more than fake. Yeah, or maybe, um, like, intimacy on steroids. Yeah. Like, real, real, real intimate real quickly. Yeah. And she's arguing, like, that's fine, but wait then become friends in person or then meet in mm-hmm. person. So I really like that kind of tension in the book. So I like yeah. that it doesn't shy away from that. Um, really great book kind of about modern romance and modern relationships uh, and two really compelling uh, protagonists. Like sometimes the boy or the girl will fall flat for me mm-hmm. and both of them are equally interesting. That's about. great. Yeah, really enjoy that. Cool. I don't think it's out yet. Okay. I don't know. I will, I'll check on that and yeah. have that really state in the show notes, but that sounds great. Yeah, it's really good. Um, your second one is a timely uh, read for the movie release, um, A Wrinkle in Time yes. classic. I read it because a friend and I were going to go see the movie together. Um, and I thought I was rereading this. Right. I <laughs> And then as you read. Yeah. As I read, I was like, this is not familiar to me at all. Um, and I've read Madeline Lingle before, so I guess they just all kind of mm-hmm. ran together to me. So, have you read A Wrinkle in Time? Yeah, I have. Okay. So, I really liked it. Like, I totally understand the yeah, hype. Yeah, it's really good. It is weird. Uh-huh. It it's sci-fi. It is super weird. And I got all kinds of feelings about the movie, y'all. I didn't see it. I don't. Um. Oh, no. Do? Because it's a female director, and I right. love Ava DuVernay. Yep. And I, but 
I think this is probably a movie you should see with children. Yeah. Well, and it's a movie made for children, right? It's Correct. a children's movie. Right. And Wrinkle in Time, I think, crosses the boundary. Like... The book. Yes. Yeah. The book. I'm sorry. A Wrinkle in Time, the book. I Like, as an adult, I mm-hmm. totally enjoyed it. And I liked that it didn't talk down mm-hmm. to... Madeline Lingle doesn't talk down to her readers. Mm-hmm. And the movie doesn't talk down. The movie, to me, was like, oh, these are the themes of A Wrinkle in Time, the book. Okay, well, I'm going to switch it around and keep some of those themes, but a very humanistic. Mm-hmm. It's really humanistic, sure. which is totally fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just very different from it's the like watching... pursuit of the book. Yes. Yeah. So the things that Oprah espouses in her mm-hmm. like real life or on her show, that's what Wrinkle in Time feels like. Okay, so it's like if they made Chronicles of Narnia and Aslan like was mostly just about like everything's nice and, and good and give money to people yeah. and not actually any of the like values and virtues of yeah, that. Yeah, it just feels like there are certainly values and virtues in A Wrinkle in Time, the movie. Sure. But it felt more like... Be at peace with your inner self. Mm. And that and will give you aspire to something more transcendent. Yes. Gotcha. And so, as somebody who had just read the book, mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute. Also, I don't know, how long ago did you read A Wrinkle in Time? Like five years. Okay. So, my favorite character in A Wrinkle in Time is Aunt Beast. Sure, yeah. What a delightful, <laughs> wonderful thing to put in children's literature. And yeah. she is not in the book, in the movie. Oh, no. I know you've got to leave things out. Yeah, but, but still. It, I was like, it's beast. That's not a very long book. No, it's not. Mm. So, whatever. Um, but I really did enjoy my reading experience. Mm-hmm. And it's totally one of those middle grade novels where if you're like me and maybe you thought you read it mm-hmm. or you'd like to revisit it, mm-hmm. I do think it's worth revisiting. It's totally worth rereading. I read it as... I read it in maybe elementary school and then I read it in college. Yeah. So, okay, it's been more than five years. Yeah, you're older um, than that <laughs> uh, Okay, so it's been like seven or eight years. Yeah. But... Um, Totally worth rereading. It's super good. It's like um, ideologically dense, but in a really accessible way. Yes, like it is filled. It has a lot going on. It's filled with not only theological or philosophical mm-hmm. truths and points of view. And meditations, But yeah. I love, I mean, I love how many different people are quoted. Like yeah. re- um, both religious and political leaders right. are quoted in that book. Like I said, she does not and talk Madeline, down to kids. We've talked a lot about Madeline Lingle and what an interesting person she is yeah. because she clearly subscribes to this um, like this Christian worldview, but not a very like mainstream one. Right. Um, it's it's very tempered with yeah. other things. Somebody, it's very fair, I think. Somebody I was, gosh, I don't know who I was listening to or what I read, but like after I read the book, I again because I clearly had not read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could, this was a not a reread for me. I did not realize how um, really Christian a lot of Wrinkle in Time is, but it is nowhere to be found in Christian bookstores, unlike Chronicles of Narnia. Right. And I find that... Because they're both magical reimaginings of what, like, Orthodox theology might look like, right? It's like, but what if instead of, like, angels with robes and wings, we imagine them as something entirely different? Right. So, anyway, I just think it's interesting that... For whatever reason, Madeline Lingle's books are not found on the shelves of Christian bookstores. I have thoughts and ideas, but we can talk about, we can later. Talk about that later. <laughs> but anyway, all that to say, A Wrinkle in Time, so glad I read it. Really delightful. Kind of wish I'd read it as a child, Yeah. Um, but very glad and grateful her work is in the world and glad to have read it as an adult, if not before. And that's great. Um, the next book you read is All of This is True. All of This is True is a young adult novel. Again, this was a 
an ARC, and I don't think this book is out yet. Here, though, is how my publisher pitched it to me. Okay. Um, what if John Green were actually evil? <laughs> Meaning, what if this author who has who's who has this power and mm-hmm. influence mm-hmm. over young adults was actually using that power for evil? Okay. Okay. I like the premise. Right? Okay. Me too. So. I read the book. It is completely original to me in terms of format. So basically, you're getting television interviews of this group of young men. I think it's mostly young women, but maybe there's a young man in there too. Um, You're getting these television interviews, and they're looking back on the influence this author had over them. Okay. um, That resulted in a traumatic event. Okay. In their friend group or school. So a if little you're thinking bit like, secret history. I was gonna say it actually. Okay. Stephen King's it. Yeah. So because it's not like secret history, but the nugget of that book mm-hmm. is kind of here. Um, it's just super modern and super young adult. So you've got this te- these television interviews, then you've also got the book the author wrote. Okay. So basically, this author, uh, her book her very first book appealed to this wide range of young adults who fell in love with her. Mm-hmm. And then she befriended this small group of students mm-hmm. and then kind of betrayed them by writing a book about them. Interesting. Okay. So you've got like a book within a book concept. I mean, it's a little it's weird. It's experimental. Yeah. yeah but I like I, that. But I really liked it. Good. It's t- it was totally, like I went into it thinking it was going to be one thing and it wound up being a little bit different. In a good way. Good. Um, it's not a perfect book. Um, I don't even remember what I wound up ranking it on Instagram or anything. But enough where, like, now that I'm looking back on it a month later, I'm like, oh, that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, that was really unusual. And for a young adult novel, I feel like YA lit can sometimes go into tropes. For sure. And and look, so can adult lit, for Ab- that matter. Absolutely. Um, but... I thought this was just completely... Like, I don't know what I've read that's like this, in other words. Because it's got these television interviews. It's got the book within a book. Um, it, it's got all these different voices, which at times is a little bit... Feels like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also are grateful for all of those different voices. Somebody who listens to our podcast, I think it's Allison, she loves unreliable narrators. Mm-hmm. Well, here you go. Here you go. Like, and, and you don't know who the unreliable narrator is because mm-hmm. the story is unfolding so slowly. Gotcha. Through these interviews and through looking at the book this author has written. You don't quite even know what this traumatic event is that has happened to these students. So um, I really enjoyed this one. Again, totally different than other yeah, things I've read. So. That sounds great. And I didn't realize you read so much YA this month. I know. That's great. Yeah, it is good. Um, we talked about this one a little bit last week, um, but you know, this is a different format. So The Female Persuasion by Meg Walliter. It's out this week. Good. It's out this week. You guys, I want everybody to know I wanted this to be my shelf subscription. I assumed it was going to be a book of the month club pick. So I didn't make it my shelf subscription. My April shelf subscription is excellent. But if I could turn back time, mm. in the words of Cher, you would all probably be getting the female persuasion instead. That being said, it's heavy, so it would have yeah. been expensive to ship. <laughs> oh, true. Um, yeah, but it's, a, it's a big boy. It's a bit. It's big. Her books are big. They're always big. Okay, female persuasion. Meg Wolitzer. I have talked about her before. I haven't always understood the hype. Right. I think she's talented. I just haven't. The Interestings is probably her most recent that got mm-hmm. a ton of buzz, and I thought it was yeah. fine. Um, like, glad I read it, yeah. finished it, but didn't particularly That's love it. where I am with John Green always. Okay. I, I think it's fine. Yeah. 
So that's how I feel about Meg. That being said, the female persuasion is so good. And I was nervous about it because, again, these are weird times we're living in. And to try to capture the zeitgeist right now, I think, is a challenging thing to do. (laughs) Like, that's a hard task. For sure. And so the premise of this book is this young woman, I believe her name is Greer Kadetsky. She is in college and she has this chance encounter with a kind of feminist icon, I think Gloria Steinem-esque. Sure. Uh, And that meeting kind of changes Greer's life. Uh, I may have mentioned this already, but you think the book is going to be about Greer, and it is, but the book is also, is actually told from the perspective of Greer and from the perspective of her boyfriend. Okay. Again, sometimes that voice wouldn't be compelling, but it's very compelling in this book to me. Uh, And then the voice of her best friend. Mm -hmm. And if not, I can't even remember, this is so bad, I can't remember if it's in first person from their perspective mm-hmm. or it's, if, if it's just, just close third, third yeah yeah um but all of those voices are really well done good the book somebody else messaged me about this it's probably like 50 pages too long like i don't understand why i don't understand why people aren't editing yeah. i don't yeah. <laughs> i think probably she's earned so much yeah but but still yeah there's just there's just a part at the end where it's like this could have this whole thing could have been out and it would yeah. still have been yeah. really compelling that being said do not let that deter you it is so good um really interesting about past feminism what are they there's a term for it second but like, wave yeah second wave feminism and then intersectional feminism, feminism. Yeah. yeah and so that is really interesting um and and also how feminism affects her best friend Greer's best friend is gay mm-hmm. and so how it it affects her, how it affects her boyfriend, but also just, it's not just about feminism. It's about what's going on in these people's lives, right. coming of age, yeah. um, like in their 20s and 30s, and trying to figure out who they are and what real independence of thought looks like. Um, yeah, I, I have all kinds of thoughts. If I had a book club, I, I do have a book club. <laughs> so, don't you? <laughs> if, if I had a book club, I would make them read this. Because I just think there's a lot to discuss here. But again, it's hefty. It's big, yeah. Um, but it did not take me much time at all to read it. And I gave my ARC to Kate yesterday, and she immediately started reading it this morning. Okay, like, good. it's good. Um, so I think you'll be pretty much... You'll be brought in from like the first chapter yeah. if you're not into it in the first chapter then don't bother and, but I feel like this is one we're going to be talking about for a while for a while for the next couple months for sure and expect it, to hear about this one yeah and it's and like I said it's captured the culture yeah. I think in a way that I think is hard to do um, so we'll probably I, I suspect this one will be in my top 10 of the year list, good so you'll That's be hearing great. us talk about it a lot I'm sure <laughs> the next one you read was The Arrangement can I tell a funny story? Please. I already told this on Instagram. That's okay. I don't know what I don't know what medium I belong in anymore. Uh, but a few months ago, one of my good friends who has a book club out in Colorado was looking for a book club recommendation. Mm-hmm. I recommended The Arrangement, which is a book about MFK Fisher. I've talked about it on this podcast before. Yeah. Um, but I just said it's called The Arrangement. It's about a woman who has an affair and but she's a she's a food writer. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So fast forward, my friend is like, hey, we read the arrangement and whew, it is a lot. I had no idea it was so much about open marriage. And, and you're like, like, what? What? Like, I don't, I don't think that's the book I read. I don't remember it being that scandalous, but that happens to me all the time. Sure. Well, I'll read a book and it has a lot more content, questionable content uh-huh. than I remember. Mm-hmm. My brain like blocks it. I don't know what that says about me. Um, 
So I was a little intrigued. Then, of all people, Knox McCoy mentioned this book, The Arrangement, mm -hmm. and I realized, oh, my friend's book club has read a different book called The Arrangement, mm -hmm. but not the book I read. Mm -hmm. My friend, her book club, and then Knox McCoy read the book The Arrangement by Sarah Dunn. If you're buying it in paperback, it is yellow with two chickens on the front. Okay. Okay, just to clarify. Just to clarify. <laughs> which book I've read. And it is a book about a couple who they have been married for a, a long time. Um, I cannot remember the exact amount of time, but they're like middle-aged. They're probably late 30s, early 40s. And they decide, after talking to a couple they know, that they're going to try a, an open marriage for six months. Okay. But it's only six months. They refer to it kind of as their rum spring up. Like okay, in sure. Culture. Mm -hmm. um, look, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of sexy content sure. in this book. Uh, I, as, I would assume. As you yep. could guess. However, I have not read a book that made me so nostalgic and grateful for my own marriage. Mm, <laughs> it's, it's nice. Yeah, like ever. Like I finished it and thought, whew, super glad I'm married to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and one really lovely and interesting aspect of the book is that each chapter um, begins with a quote from a fictional modern love expert. I think her name in the book is like Constance Waverly. And she, I'm sure, is based on that famous love expert. Her name's like Edith something. Anyway, so she's got these really interesting quotes about marriage and modern marriage. Mm -hmm. And that really added something. Like, it was quotes from her TED Talk. And, mm -hmm. and I just mm -hmm. loved that kind of aspect of it, like that little addition to the book. Um, so those are sprinkled throughout. And then the married couple has a child with autism, and so their marriage has some difficulties because they're trying to raise their kid and figure out where he best fits. Um, there's also, they live outside New York City in like this very well-to-do uh, liberal mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. So it's got like tones of big little lies. Is there yeah. a little bit of standard deviation in there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, for sure. Uh, which I think is totally why I loved it. It's yeah. right in line. I mean, forget the open marriage aspect. It's mm -hmm. right in line with most of what I love, which is dysfunctional families. Right. In this case, a dis dysfunctional couple. Right. Um, and look, you're kind of yelling. Like, you know how sometimes you yell at the TV when people do dumb things? Yep. Well, you're kind of yelling at these people. That's what I do on Chopped, always. <laughs> so you're yelling at these people, and their friends are yelling at them. Mm -hmm. Because this is a marriage that really was pretty good. And they decided, well... Let's, let's mess it spice, up. Yeah, let's just let's mess it up. Um, that's what people do. Yeah, I mean, it is. And mm -hmm. that's what's fascinating. Anyway, I loved this book. Like, really loved it. Um, it's not... I mean, it's not for everybody, guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but if you like standard deviation, if you like Big Little Lies, if you are okay reading about a um, type of marriage that I think is unconventional mm -hmm. and different from what you might know then I think it's for you. Interesting. It's really good. It's smart. I'm glad smart. that this, this is kind of an accidental, like, well, now I have to read this. Yes, I think I was totally, especially Knox McCoy from the right. podcast and my girlfriend's book club out in Colorado. Colorado. Like, yeah. it was just weird. That's a so weird, like, that's weird happenstance. That's yeah. that's good. I yeah, like that. So um, also, thanks to the train running through downtown Thomasville right now. Oh, yeah, you right get to now. hear. Um, so uh, that was that's some good good train horn. <laughs> Welcome to Thomas. Welcome to Thomas. You'll Thomasville. get stuck at the train tracks at one point for like forty five minutes, that's and I'm fine. not joking. Ashley thinks there should be an app. There like really should be. Yeah, a Thomas. Where app. is the train? Yeah. <laughs> um, the last book you read this month is Sociable. Okay, Sociable came out a couple weeks ago. It's mm -hmm. by Rebecca Harrington. Mm -hmm. The premise is interesting. So it's about a young woman who is hired to work for this like 
quote-unquote journalism website, really, I'm thinking like BuzzFeed-type yeah. situation, and she's hired specifically to create viral content. Okay. Okay, premise is great. Look, I gave this book three stars because I finished it. <laughs> Which says something. Right, because to me, if I hate a book... I get rid of it. Like, I don't finish it. That's the new bookshelf, Annie. If I start a book and truly hate it, then I'm just not going to finish it. I, I didn't hate this book. But... I, but I, I gave it three stars because I finished it. Mm-hmm. Probably I might give it two. Except you're compelled enough to keep going. The characters in this book are completely deplorable. Like, okay. they're the worst millennial stereotypes. Gotcha. And look, I am around enough millennials. I am a millennial. I know there are some aspects of that stereotype that are absolutely true. Sure. I get it. The characters in this book are so self-centered. And I think that's the point. Right. Like, I think it's supposed to be satire. But you just don't enjoy them. And it's just hard to get through. Yeah, you yeah. just don't enjoy them. But look, wasn't super hard to get through. Like, I wanted to know, oh, um, to me... I kind of sort of like seating arrangements except seating arrangements was better written okay so seating arrangements is a book by maggie shipstead that i liked but didn't love and mm-hmm. it had all the elements of a book i should love mm-hmm. i wound up reading astonish me another maggie shipstead book that i loved far more but seating arrangements had these characters that it was like why are you doing this like i know why you're doing it but why do i have to read about it um but again that book is really well written sociable is fine it's not terribly written. It's fine. Um, but I wanted it to be so much more compelling than it was. And then I'll tell you what really messed me up. The end feels mm. like like I thought there were pages missing. Oh. Like, this is a light and fluffy beach book, for sure, to me. From my light and fluffy beach books, I expect an ending. Mm-hmm. Normally, in my day-to-day reading, I don't need this to end in a pretty bow. I didn't even need this book to end in a pretty bow. But I did need it to be wrapped. Like I did, like I did need it mm-hmm. to be complete. Instead, I was like, and that's my problem. That's why this book gets fewer stars, or why I'm sure. having a hard time with it. Because I feel like I earned, I worked my way through this book uh-huh. to find out what happened to these people, and then I literally thought there were pages missing. <laughs> like Oof. I don't know the last time that's happened to me. Oof. So, but I told people try this one because I'm curious is this just me because it could be like that's happened before it happens so anyway that is those are the books I read okay what'd you read I read The Oracle Gear by Charles Soule which is my April shelf subscription yeah so expect that soon if you're subscribing to me um Charles Soule is a really interesting guy he this is his debut novel but he is an attorney like an immigration attorney in New York City, okay. and also writes comics for Marvel. Oh, that's cool. And so he writes Daredevil and She-Hulk, or he used to write She-Hulk, both of whom are attorneys. Oh, that's um, funny. He has been writing The Inhumans for a long time, um, or he was for a while. And so he's kind of a rising name in comics, okay. and this is his debut novel. Um, it's outside my genre a little bit in that like it's basically a thriller. Yeah. Um, it's quick, it's fast-paced, it's a fun adventure. I liked it a lot. Good. Um, it was super good. It's not getting the kind of press I think it deserves, yeah. and I think that's because of its genre, right? Um, that's a bummer, though. I know, and I think it's it's going to be a perfect summer read. Did you read Dark Matter? No, but it sounds very similar. Okay. I would say for fans of Dark Matter, yeah. definitely pick up the Oracle Year. The premise is that 
Um, our protagonist woke up one day and knows 108 things about the future, and they're random things. Oh, that's funny. It's like so and so decided to buy chocolate milk one day to remember like her father. Random woman in Texas. Okay. But then it's also like there's going to be a giant hurricane that wipes out the citrus crop in Florida. Okay. Um, different, like very specific that's things, funny. and like he doesn't know what to do with this information. Like early edition. Like early edition, a little bit. Yeah. It's a lot like that. And so he sets up this anonymous account and starts calling himself the Oracle and has posted all these things on the internet and is now using some of that to leverage big financial firms into giving him money. So there's a lot of, there's a blackmail element, there's a journalism element. Um, So there's this like a little bit fantastical thing that happens that you just kind of have to accept and the rest is just a fun, thrilling adventure. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, no, it's super good. Like a lot of, it would appeal to a lot of people. I think so. I think this has a really wide... Um, range. Okay. It's very accessible. Um, it's not like high literary fiction by any means, and it's not deep sci-fi by any means. Okay. It's just a fantastical concept that then gets turned into a big adventure. That's fun. Yeah, and I really hope people pick this up. Um, we kept a lot of copies in store because I feel like when you were describing it, it, it reminded me of Dark Matter, and that mm-hmm. did so well yeah. for us. Um, so I would definitely hand sell this to people who like Dark Matter. Also just fans of like Brad Meltzer, I think he has a blurb on the back yeah, of it. Um, I would even, and I mean this in a good way, it's like elevated Dan Brown in a lot of ways. Yeah. In that it's smart, it's an adventure, it has um, elements that do require you to think a little bit, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun. I liked it a lot. Okay, good. That's a fun reading month for both of us. Then. Absolutely. of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you, as always, to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content like what Annie didn't finish this month, check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also check out our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for a full catalog of our show, web-only content, and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. So we've got a new regular customer. He's approximately 82 years old. Oh, he's delightful. His name is Al. He is wonderful. He has talked to each of us in turn. He Mm -hmm. knows us all by name. And we special order these kind of odd, out-of-print book titles for him. Um, But this week is his birthday, and so he's bringing a birthday cake on Friday to share with us. Just to share with the bookshelf? Yeah, with the bookshelf. It's delightful. That is the sweetest. It's so nice. I can't get over it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.